This program is presented by Birch Gold Group, the precious metal IRA specialist. Good morning. In today's headlines, Florida's medical boards came to a decision on minors undergoing sex reassignment surgeries or taking puberty blockers. Facebook parent Meta is preparing large-scale layoffs this week. The reported plan will likely affect thousands of employees. Cybersecurity units from the National Guard will be activated in more than a dozen U.S. states. The units are to help mitigate risks around the midterm elections. The midterm elections are tomorrow. President Biden and former President Trump both rallied in support of party candidates over the weekend. We bring you the highlights from the events. And a Pew Research poll shows 81% of black Americans think crime is a very important issue. We find out what this means for the election. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan. And I'm Evelyn Lee. Good morning. Today is November 7th, and we're kicking off another week with Florida's medical boards. They approved a new rule on Friday. It will prohibit minors from undergoing sex reassignment surgeries. It also bars minors from receiving puberty blockers or hormone therapy. The ban includes non-surgical exceptions for young people already undergoing procedures. It will go into effect after a 21-day public comment period. Doctors who violate the regulations could face penalties, including the loss of their medical license. Florida Surgeon General Joseph Ladapo wrote on Twitter that the medical boards voted to protect children from irreversible surgeries and highly experimental treatments. He says the ruling is in the best interest of Florida children. This despite facing tremendous pressure to permit what he calls risky and unproven treatments. Chloe Cole, a self-described former trans kid, testified at the Florida Board of Medicine in late October. I was not suicidal before going on hormones, and yet doctors asked my parents the question, would you rather have a dead daughter or a living son? This is not how medical professionals are supposed to talk. This is how activists talk. What was the cost of treating mental health with barbaric surgeries? I have bandages on my chest today, over two years post-op because my nipples leak fluid and they stain my clothes. I have no breasts. I want to be a mother someday, and yet I can never naturally feed my children, my future children. My breasts were beautiful, and now they have been incinerated for nothing. According to the Department of Health and Human Services, so-called gender-affirming care includes social affirmation at any age, puberty blockers during puberty, and cross-sex hormone therapy starting during early adolescence. The agency says irreversible surgery is typically used on a case-by-case -case basis in adolescence. And other states have also tried to outlaw procedures like these, but Florida is the first to do so through its medical boards. Facebook parent company Meta Platforms Incorporated is reportedly planning to begin large-scale layoffs this week. According to a Sunday Wall Street Journal report, the layoffs will affect thousands of employees with an announcement planned as early as Wednesday. The social media company had, in June, cut plans to hire engineers by at least 30 percent. Meta in October forecasted a further $67 billion drop off its stock market value, adding to the more than half a trillion dollars in value already lost this year. Meta declined to comment on the Wall Street Journal report. The National Guard will activate cybersecurity units in 14 states to help keep election officials' networks secure around the midterm elections. 
This includes battleground states like Arizona, Iowa, and Pennsylvania, as well as Colorado, Connecticut, and Delaware. The plan comes after eight states received support from cyber units and the National Guard during the primary elections earlier this year. Currently, there are nearly 40 dedicated cyber units across the United States to help with network assessments and risk mitigation. The units are comprised of more than 2,200 personnel. U.S. President Joe Biden and former President Barack Obama attended a rally in Pennsylvania on Saturday. They told voters that democracy is at stake in Tuesday's midterm elections. Biden and Obama were hoping to tip the balance in the pivotal Senate race between John Fetterman and Mehmet Oz. Biden condemned what he called political violence, referring specifically to last week's attack on Paul Pelosi. Obama addressed abortion access. He posed the question, who exactly should tell you when to start a family? The Fetterman-Oz Senate race is one of three critical contests, along with Georgia and Nevada. The elections will determine whether Democrats hold on to their razor-thin majority in the Senate. We spoke with some people at the rally to find out what issues concern them the most. I think we are currently failing our students across the country, our next generation, um, and we need to put a lot more effort into taking care of our schools. I, I am concerned about democracy on November 8th. Everybody, regardless of your political standings in the past, need to come together to make a difference. Democracy first, um, human rights, including women's rights, abortion rights, civil rights, uh, health care, uh, the uh, preservation of Social Security and Medicare, inequality. President Biden also spoke at Sarah Lawrence College in Yonkers, New York on Sunday in support of Governor Kathy Hochul. Former President Trump also took part in a couple of rallies over the weekend. He stoked up the crowd in Miami, Florida and asked them to re-elect Republican Senator Marco Rubio and Governor Ron DeSantis. Here's what Trump had to say. The socialist, communist, and Marxist direction of the radical Democrat Party is one of the biggest reasons that Hispanic Americans are joining our movement by the millions and millions and millions and so many Millions and millions. Oh, we love. These are the greatest people. They are great. Many, many are here. Who happens to be Hispanic? Yeah. You need Marco Rubio fighting for you in the U.S. Senate. He is fantastic. Marco, come on up. Come on up, Marco. Trump once again hinted at a 2024 presidential run at the rally. He said, in order to make our country successful, safe, and glorious, I will probably have to do it again. He told the cheering crowd to stay tuned. In Pennsylvania, Trump again teased a 2024 run. He told the crowd he wasn't going to say it yet, but that in a very short amount of time, they will be very, very happy. Trump spoke in support of Republican Senate nominee Mehmet Oz and gubernatorial nominee Doug Mastriano. Trump talked for almost two hours at the event in La Trobe. He'd predicted big wins for the GOP on Election Day. And today spoke with gubernatorial hopeful Doug Mastriano at the rally. He said he's confident of a victory on Tuesday. Take a listen. On day one, we're opening up our energy sector. We're adding this greenhouse carbon tax that Tom Wolf has us in. We're going to drill and dig like we've never done before. This part of Pennsylvania, nice jobs, lots of investment. It's going to be an economic renaissance here. Also on day one, we're going to restore common sense to the Commonwealth. I'm going to have the backs of our law enforcement officials. Uh, we're no longer be a sanctuary state when someone knows 
when Joe Biden is uh, trafficking in, in, in uh, illegals and they land in our state, our state police will escort those buses down to Delaware. Joe Biden can have them at his house. We're going to reaffirm parental rights. We're going to get indoctrination out of our schools and put education back in. And that's just the start. We're the heart and soul of the nation. This is just not another gubernatorial race. This is the most important race in America today. We have to win. Pennsylvania wins. We can restore the promise of freedom for the rest of the nation. Pennsylvania wins. We can become energy independent once again because as governor, we're going to unleash the energy potential of our state and it'll bless our nation, bring prices down, make life better. And today live streamed both Biden and Trump's rallies in Pennsylvania over the weekend. So if you want to rewatch that, you can find it on our website at ntd.com. Yes, and Trump is holding a rally in Ohio tonight. He's campaigning for U.S. Senate candidate J.D. Vance. And the Michigan Republican Party held a freedom rally on Friday at Faith Baptist Church in Clinton Township, Michigan. Gubernatorial candidate Tudor Dixon and other GOP candidates vying for political office took the stage. And today's Daniel Monahan has the story. Never submit to tyranny. Government overreach, culture wars, and freedom were issues that frequently came up during the rally. Candidate for Secretary of State Christina Caramo says the November 8th elections are the most important in the history of the country. We have four days to ensure that our children live free. According to Caramo, the Democratic Party has lost its way. The Democratic Party are no longer liberals. They are not. The people who control the party are authoritarians. Meanwhile, candidate for Michigan Attorney General Matt DiPerno touched on a variety of hot-button issues from drag queens to puberty blockers. He then addressed crime. Murders up 30% since Dana Nessel took office. Carjackings up 750%. Attorney General Dana Nessel stirred controversy in June with statements about drag queens in schools. A drag queen for every school. That... That is what would be fun for kids and lift them up when they are having emotional issues. DePerno also bemoaned the fact that Michigan is now seventh in the country for sex trafficking and criticized the current administration for a lax policy on the fentanyl crisis. Candidate for Lieutenant Governor Shane Hernandez shared his journey about becoming a conservative as a Latino from a poor family. My mom made sure that faith was the center of our lives from a young age. And even 20 years ago, we had a Democrat party who didn't align with those beliefs. Meanwhile, University of Kentucky swimmer Riley Gaines described her experiences competing against biological male swimmer Leah Thomas, who says he identifies as a woman. She decried the effect that allowing men to compete in women's sports has on women. And I can attest to the extreme discomfort in the locker room when you turn around and you see a 6'4 biological male with male genitalia sitting there watching you undress. Candidate for Governor Tudor Dixon vowed to keep boys out of girls' locker rooms. She also criticized the school shutdowns that occurred under Governor Gretchen Whitmer. She called for measures to remedy the effects those shutdowns had on kids. We want to see 25 hours of tutoring for every student, and the funding is there. Dixon also called for improved security to protect kids in schools, which she says Whitmer derided as putting more guns in schools. And the last time I checked, those state police, those same state police, they carry guns when they protect Gretchen Whitmer. Meanwhile, U.S. House candidate John James called for more drilling and gas extraction in Michigan. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. 
Nevada's Republican nominee for U.S. Senate Adam Laxalt is finishing up a bus tour of his state. He's been across 17 counties to listen to people's concerns about the state and the nation. The race between Laxalt and his opponent, Senator Catherine Cortez Masto, has been close. Laxalt is hoping to flip the silver state. He's highlighting issues at the front of most voters' minds. And today's Jeremy Sandberg tells us more. Laxalt spoke about bringing down inflation and gas prices, increasing border security and support for the police. If you hear that the Latino voter has moved 30 points to my direction this race, the National Border Patrol Council endorsed Laxalt in July. President of the Council, Brandon Judd, says in his worst nightmares he never imagined the situation the border would be in today. He called the increase in illegal immigration astronomical. We should be apprehending somewhere between 30 to 40,000 people every single month in a typical year. Typical, 30 to 40,000. Right now, it's over 200,000. We've had nearly a million what we call gotaways, people that have entered the country illegally and have been able to evade apprehension. That's based upon this administration's policies. Judd says proper policies will bring the technology, resources and infrastructure necessary to secure the border. That's what Adam is going to bring to the table. If he wasn't, I wouldn't be here. Laxalt blamed Biden administration policies for the border crisis, as well as the high energy prices and his opponent for being a rubber stamp on them. Day one, they killed the Keystone Pipeline. They stopped drilling. They killed Anwar. And guess what? Boom. And then they had the nerve to take from our strategic oil reserve. Senator John Barrasso pointed out President Biden never mentioned these issues in his recent speech on democracy. This election is about holding the Democrats and Catherine Cortez Masto accountable for the damage that they've done in this country. Democratic Senator Catherine Cortez Masto is seeking another term. Several recent polls have the incumbent and Laxalt tied at 47%. One poll taken last week from Emerson College in the Hill has Laxalt leading by five points. Let's go save Nevada. Let's go save America. Nevada's U.S. Senate seat is widely seen as one of the most likely to flip on Tuesday. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Next, more on one of the top issues this election, crime. 81% of black voters think it's a very important issue. How could it shape Tuesday's election? The overturning of Roe v. Wade was a major victory for the pro-life movement, but it's still not a complete victory for pro-life organizations. Find out why after the break. Welcome back. Crime in the U.S. is still a key issue during the, this midterm election, and data from the Pew Research Center recently showed that this is especially on top of the list for black Americans. 81% of black registered voters categorize it as very important. That's more than Hispanic voters and white voters. And the difference was especially apparent in Democratic registered voters, while 82% of black Democratic voters say it's a very important issue, just a third of white voters think the same. I spoke with Kevin McGarry, the president of Every Black Life Matters, and asked him how we can understand these numbers. What, you, what those numbers reflect are the black community seeing safety erode under this presidency. 
uh, what those numbers reflect are blacks who come into contact with crime and uh, various forms of, of, of assault daily. They either hear it, see it, or they're a victim of it. So, you know, it's a big deal, especially in these highly urbanized metropolitan areas. This is like, this is a major issue. So it doesn't really surprise me. And I think uh, a lot of those, uh, those voters will be taking action at the, at the ballot box as a result of those figures. Why do you think it is, seems to be so much more of a key concern for black voters than it is for other ethnicities? Well, again, uh, a lot of these black voters probably live in these, uh, these concentrated urbanized areas. And again, that's where crime is most prevalent, uh, unfortunately. And uh, some, a lot of those crimes don't even go reported because you know, a lot of these police departments have been defunded. And in some of these areas, uh, you, know, you have rampant assaults, we have rapes, we have uh, you know, uh, messing with these children as they go to and from school. And uh, some of those issues are, you know, don't get reported because, you know, they, they don't have enough police force to actually do anything about it. But the reality is, is that people are hearing about these crimes or seeing these crimes or have now been victimized by these crimes. So they're really uh, quite frustrated and ready to do something about it. Now, I don't think that we'll see an 80 percent swing in the, in the vote pattern for, for blacks. But I do believe that we'll see a huge swing um, towards, you know, towards Republicans or conservatives or anyone who will help uh, or pledge to help uh, fix these Nobel uh, situations and these uh, defund situations. And uh, a lot of people are looking forward to re-budgeting, refunding police at appropriate levels. Right. And on that topic of voting, you travel around the country meeting thousands of people. So what are some of the other top concerns that those people have that you meet? Yeah, so um, a lot of the other concerns that we're seeing are the inflation is just huge. Um, I'm here in California, and inflation is, you know, about, you know, it's, it's, it's tremendous. Our, our, our gas has doubled uh, since uh, this administration took, took office. Uh, and then our food prices are just uh, astronomical. They pretty much doubled as well. Now, I know that the, the government numbers actually reflect a lower number, somewhere around 15% or whatever, 8% or whatever it is. But we know day to day that we're dealing with uh, prices that we really can't afford. Those on fixed incomes, those who are elderly, are really feeling the, the brunt of this, this inflationary cycle that we're in right now. So uh, these are some of the other major concerns. So we have inflation, we have crime. And then lastly, uh, we're hearing a lot about schools. Uh, parents are really quite concerned about their children being over-sexualized and, and perverted, uh, and then having, and then getting this whole new gender education as well, which is really confusing them and their children. So they're trying to figure out, well, how can we just get back to basics? You know, reading, writing, and arithmetic, can we just get back to basics and education so we could do something about that? So I think the voting in the election season is going to be reflecting that at some level within the black community. It's still yet to be seen how much, but uh, these are the types of things that we're hearing that are on top of mind for, for black voters. Mm, very interesting. Thank you so much, Kevin McGarry. That was very insightful. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Although Roe v. Wade has been overturned, pro-life organizations say their work is not done until abortion ends worldwide. NTD's Angela Moy has the story. The 40 Days for Life movement concluded its fall campaign over the weekend. 
One million volunteers held peaceful prayer vigils outside abortion centers worldwide over the last 40 days. Their mission is to end abortion. CEO and President Sean Carney led the first movement in 2007 after witnessing his college peers go through abortions. They're, they're broken, they're lonely, they're scared, they feel like they have no choice. That's the great irony. And I just felt like as a young man, I could do something uh, about it. Carney says the movement helps women seeking abortions find alternatives. It partners with pro-life organizations, including pregnancy centers. Chris Donnelly, board director of Southside Pregnancy Center, or SPC, in a Chicago suburb, says the pregnancy center provides free services to address the fear of facing an unplanned pregnancy alone. What we do is, is give people viable alternatives to, hey, you can do this, you're not alone, we can help you, and, and we'll partner with you for as, ever, as long as it takes. Veronica Stenica, executive director of SPC, says the organization helps women understand the psychological impact of various options. We try to move her away from the immediate sense of fear and crisis and then want her move towards a more reflective mindset and really process and think about her choices because at the end of the day, she's choosing a consequence. Right, that's what she's going to be living with. When Valtasia Ivy found out she was pregnant with triplets, her doctor recommended an abortion. Ivy was a single mom with two other children and without a stable home. But SPC changed her mind. She gave birth to the babies. What changed my mind was I talked to the counselor and, you know, very encouraging. They'll also tell me, you know, you're not going to be alone. You know, you're not, you're going to, we're going to give you, you know, if you need anything, you know, reach out to us or anything. Stanika says 64% of SPC patients choose life. SPC offers free baby supplies, counseling, and support groups for women who choose life. Carney says that because of 40 Days for Life, 22,000 lives were saved, 245 workers quit Planned Parenthood, and 131 abortion centers were closed since 2007. Reporting by Angela Moy, NTD News. And next, the New York City Marathon was back in full swing this year, and the winners in both the men's and women's races hail from the same African country. And honoring those who served and who continue to serve, the city of Boston held its annual Veterans Day parade over the weekend. Americans came together to celebrate the service of military men and women. We have that when we come back. Welcome back. The world's biggest and most popular marathon returned to full capacity on Sunday. More than 50,000 runners took part in the New York City Marathon. Last year, only 30,000 ran the 26.2-mile race, and the 2020 marathon was canceled because of the pandemic. The top men's and women's finishers were both Kenyan, Evans Chibet and Sharon Locati. If Chibet's name sounds familiar, it's because he won the Boston Marathon in April. His winning time was 2 hours, 8 minutes, and 41 seconds. The Swiss silver bullet, Switzerland's Marcel Hoog, won the New York City Marathon in the men's wheelchair division. The winner on the women's side was American Susanna Scaroni, a first-timer. Veterans Day is coming up, and on Saturday, Boston held their annual Veterans Day parade. Leading up to the midterm elections, the parade was an opportunity for Americans to join together in remembrance of our servicemen and women. And Denise Slinders Kingsley has more. 
At the annual Boston Veterans Day Parade on Saturday, it wasn't just veterans organizations and military units on the streets. High school reserve training corps, honorary militias and marching bands came together to celebrate the sacrifice made by veterans. Today we celebrate our veterans and our military families for their service and sacrifice. want to welcome everyone to Boston, including the U.S. Um, Armed Forces Band, the West Point Band, and uh, it's an honor to have them. Happy Veterans Day. Among those groups marching were the men and women who serve on the USS Constitution. The vessel has been in operation since 1797 and is the world's oldest warship still afloat. Um, it's an honor to be here as part of the, the local community and an active duty crew of sailors here in Boston and to represent the active duty sailors and to honor our veterans. Veterans Day is also a celebration of America. The Taiwanese Republic of China Veterans Association marched alongside their fellow Americans. The association has been the only foreign veterans organization in this parade for 25 years. Because this is a day for all veterans, uh, but not just all veterans, but for all Americans as well. So it's, sometime, it's something to show pride and patriotism in, and we're just glad to be here. Veterans Day takes place on Friday, November 11th. It marks over 100 years since the armistice agreement that ended the fighting of World War I in 1918. Flinders Kingsley, NTD News. In 1812, the U.S.'s Constitution fought against the United Kingdom. In one skirmish, it defeated five smaller British warships and captured some merchant ships. It is amazing that it has survived that long. Yeah, well, it's well maintained as well, and you can take tours of the ship. It's oper operated by members of the U.S. Navy. That's amazing. You know, and thank you to all your veterans out there. You know, my family has a lot of veterans. My grandfather was an easy company in World War II. He got a Purple Heart. Wow, I did not know that. Well, thank you to your grandpa then as well. Uh, we're wrapping our first program of the week here. Remember to write us at goodmorning at ntd.com. Thanks for watching. I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Kevin Hogan.